Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. Well, we're talking a lot about sports radio reaction, fan reaction, media reaction when things don't go well for your team on the field. Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, 4-4 four and four this season on the field. We talked all last hour about fan expectations, reactions. Uh, I want more of your phone calls at 503-417-7575. How much of it has to do with coaching salaries? How much of it has to do with media expectations? How much of it has to do with the fact that Dabo won a couple of national championships? Same thing going on in Boulder. Season started with what? A lot of hype, a lot of expectation. Colorado got off to a wonderful start, captured the country. And some of the shine has come off. Deion Sanders in the Colorado football program. But still some eyeballs on the program. Interested to find out what's going on in Boulder. Brian Howell covers the team for the Boulder Daily Camera. He is the beat guy. He's the go-to. He's joining us now. Let's talk expectations. What's What's been the reaction with Colorado fans? Probably some high highs and some low lows. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of the high highs were in September and some of the low lows were in October. Um, you know, October's been maybe a little bit humbling for them. I mean, obviously, you know, late September they go up to Eugene and, and get humbled up there. But, I mean, uh, this has been a tough month for them on the field in that, uh, you know, that Stanford loss was really brutal. And uh, and just not that they lost to UCLA, but the way um, Shador was just battered and the offensive line looked uh, was really tough for fans to watch. So um, it's been disappointing because I think the way that this season started at three and zero, you expected better than four and four at this point. But at the same time, if you follow this program and the longtime fans are probably pretty thrilled with four and four right now, based on how it's gone the last several years. The 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 reaction. On sports radio, I mean, are people in Boulder after 4-0, were they talking conference championship? Were they talking playoff? Or did they have their feet on the ground at the time? Well, I think there's a lot of people caught up in the hype early on and when they're ranked and, you know, even Dion's fueling some of that talk of, uh, of Heisman Trophy with, you know, Shador and Travis and things like that. I might think people are getting caught up in that. And, you know, game day was showing up and, you know, a big new kickoff was here every week for a few weeks, and so people are getting excited about that. But I think the reality has kind of set in, and and people have realized that yeah, this team still has a lot of work to do, and that it doesn't turn overnight. Brian, I I got to ask you know the 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 winless season or the one and eleven season from a year ago made anything that Colorado did a win this year. Winning two games would have been a great season with the with the. Uh, with the added revenue and the season ticket sales and the spring game, how long until fans at Colorado do you think? How long until they get restless and they want a ten-win season or else? Like, are, you know, is that even crossing anybody's mind at this point? Well, first off, I'd say I, it's funny that you said winless season because I often tell people that last year they were one and eleven and not as good as their record. <laughs> you know, so it's winless last year. But um, it, I think that. You know, people are still excited about what Dion's doing, and um, they're excited that they've got a really good quarterback and that they've got some really good players, a Travis Hunter and a receiver 
Um, and really all over the field they got good players, but they're just not uh, everywhere. You know, they don't have great players on the lines yet, and, and uh, they believe they're going to get there. I mean, people are excited today because the top offensive lineman in the 2024 class announced he's going to visit this weekend in Boulder, and so uh, people get excited about that. Um, I don't think that he has to – he necessarily has to get to a bowl this year. I don't think they have to win 10 games next year. I think that they have to look really good next year and, uh, and be much better than they are this year. I don't think they necessarily need a 10-win season in 2024. I think it's interesting to watch Oregon as an example, you know, or Oregon State even. Oregon State was kind of in the position that Colorado was in just a few years ago when coming off a 2-10 and season, and now they win 10 games. And I think this is kind of the year where if they don't get 9, 10, 11 wins, Beaver fans are going to go, what's wrong? What's happening? Is that just sports fans everywhere, Brian? I think so. I think that once you start winning, you know, you get a taste for it. People want it more and more and more. You know, I remember covering the the Rockies in 2007 when they went to the World Series, and there was all this talk that they were building this, you know, National League dynasty, and they could be around for a long time. Well, it was a one, kind of a one-hit wonder, you know, and so and people were disappointed two years later when those guys were getting traded off. So you kind of expect those things, and, um, you know, I, I heard the – the whole thing with uh, Dabo the other day, and um, I, I, back, I, I back him on that. I mean, you know, look, fans, I mean, when your team has won 10-plus games 12 years in a row and your program hadn't done that, you got to be happy with that. And uh, when you're at Colorado and you're sitting at 4-4, four and four, and really over the last 15 years, they haven't been 4-4 four and four through eight games very often. So you got to be take that uh, for what it's worth and say, yeah, that's pretty good. We're, we're doing okay. We're on the right track. A lot of these teams have changed. I think about Utah in week one to to last week, different team. Oregon State might be a little different. Oregon's certainly different, seems to have evolved. How has Colorado changed from the early part of the season to the team you see now suiting up? Yeah, I I think that teams have kind of caught up to them a little bit now that there's game film on them. I think the first few weeks of the season, especially week one, um, I think that they really benefited by nobody had any game film, film on the 2023 Buffaloes, and I think that really helped them, um, and you know, maybe helping them get through Nebraska as well. Uh, but I think once people have some film on them, they can, they can see the holes, and, uh, and Colorado hasn't adjusted as well. And they also don't have the players in a lot of places, and so I think some of the, that some of that is getting exposed, um, especially on the offensive line and uh, places in the defense as well. And so they're just having to adjust to those things. And and really, what we're learning is that. Uh, the adjustment has to be made in the offseason for them to go get more players and better players at certain spots. Coach Prime coming out, saying, calling his offensive line out. How has that gone over with players? Well, we don't know how it's going over with players um, because we don't, we don't get a whole lot of access to them. But um, he did uh, meet with us today, and he actually told us that um, he had a meeting um, with the offensive line after that game and, uh, and just him and the offensive line. And he thought that was a really good meeting and that, um, he, he said, you're going to see a more cohesive, more prepared, and a tougher group this week going forward than we've seen. And so um, I think that he kind of called them out after the game, but then went back, had a meeting with them, put his arm around their shoulder, and said, hey, look, guys, we need you. You're better than this. And uh, you know, from what he was telling us, you know, that's, that was a really good meeting. So we'll see how the players respond, but at least that's what Dion has told us. Brian Howell, Boulder Daily Camera, covers Colorado. Oregon State has not been as good on the road. I think this is a 
favorable place for Colorado to get them. I think if this game were at Research Stadium, I would give Colorado no shot. But this is a home game in Boulder. What will the environment be, the atmosphere be for this game? Yeah, it, it's interesting because uh, they've had their game time's been weird. They're, they're either as early as possible or as late as possible, and they haven't actually done very well with the eight thirty starts and or the eight o'clock starts. And those are the games that, like, um, you know, they're they're favored big against Colorado State, and they barely win in overtime. They're favored big against Stanford, cop up the lead and lose that game. So those are some of the eight thirty games they've had, uh, and so this one's kind of that same uh, same thing, the eight o'clock start. And so. I'm curious to see how they respond there, but it is the homecoming game. Um, I think that the fans will, you know, be excited and be ready to have them back at home. And uh, they usually play better at home than on the road. Uh, but you know, we'll see with this week. I mean, it's a tough matchup because, as you know, Oregon State runs the football, and Colorado does not stop the run very well. Yeah, it's a tough one. I still think this season for Coach Prime has been successful, and I know that probably gets lost after four and zero turns into four and four, but. I still think you look at the momentum, the excitement, the visibility of the program, and you go, okay, that's a building block. Do you get a sense that he's got another move to make next year, that this is a program that can take another big step forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I, it, Next year is so interesting, though, because not only is it year two for him, but it's year one for the program back in the Big 12, and um, it's a whole new set of opponents. And you know, usually we can kind of project uh, a year looking ahead because you know who they're going to play. You know, and you, you, we've seen these Pac-12 teams year over year. Well, you know, I'm an AP voter, so I, I do pay attention, but I haven't seen these Pac-12 or these Big 12 teams much and really, you know, dissected them much over the years. So um, it's hard to say what they're going to look like, but um, I do think that the opportunity is there for teams like Colorado, Utah, and Arizona um, to really make a move in the Big 12 next year. And I think Colorado is set up um, to be one of those teams that could be up in that in that upper echelon of the Big 12. 100%. I, th- I think Colorado will compete a lot faster for a championship in the Big 12 than they would compete if, you know, if USC and Oregon and Washington aren't in the way. I think those are bigger hurdles. And I, I'm with you. I think Utah dominates, and I think Colorado contends or competes in year two and year three, certainly. Brian Howell is with us. Um, is there a player or two on this Colorado team that you think has emerged in the last uh, couple of weeks that uh, you didn't see early on? Yeah, you know, one guy is safety Roderick Ward, who um, who was a transfer from Southern Utah. That uh, you know, he got in there when Shiloh Sanders missed his game with uh, he got injured at Oregon and uh, missed the next game, and he got in there and led the team in tackles, and he didn't play a whole lot the first three three four weeks. Oh, well, he's been a staple in the, in the starting lineup now to the point that you know they've been struggling at linebacker, and they moved Trevor Woods, the safety, up to linebacker because they want not only Trevor but Roderick Ward in there. And so Ward's been playing really well and getting eight, nine, ten tackles a game. And and uh, you know he had a big hit against uh, UCLA and forced a fumble the other day. So he's a guy that has emerged at safety. And then offensively, you know they just they just have different guys that show up every week. It's you know Travis uh, Hunter and Xavier Weaver who we know about, but then every week it could be somebody different that's that number three guy or even, you know, above <laughs> Travis or Xavier. So um, they have different guys, different weapons, and it kind of depends on who Shador is comfortable with that week. What happened with the jewelry in the locker room at the Rose Bowl? The news reports are alarming. Normally you have security guards and police that are watching the locker room. What's the latest on that? 
Yeah, he, you know, Dion talked about that today, and um, nothing really new, but um, just him saying that he hopes that they get reimbursed. And he kind of called out and he said, "Hey, NCAA, you have your hand in everything else. Let's <laughs> fix this and, and get these guys reimbursed." And yeah, it's kind of a point there, um, but he's hoping that they get reimbursed for that. And um, you know, I haven't heard anything new on it as far as the investigation, but uh, it does sound like you know there were several players and coaches, and and really one of the guys that uh, you know, does one of the YouTube channels that follows them had some cash stolen out of his bag as well. So, wow. um, you know, several people got hit um, from the CU's program. And, you know, Dion said today, as well, from from here on out, you know, we're going to have our own security watching the locker room so that that doesn't happen again. And so it's unfortunate that that happened. And, you know, hopefully those players get, you know, compensated somehow for what they lost. You, we, we've watched coaches take criticism when they lose games. Dabo Sweeney goes on his coach's show, and he kind of you know goes off on the caller. How has Coach Prime handled the criticism? Is there criticism of his program, or are people still kind of saying, hey, look, this is house money? Yeah, you know, I think there's always criticism. There was criticism when they were winning, when they were losing. Um, you know, I tweeted this the other day after the game that, or exit, whatever it's called now. But, um, you know, there was a lot of talk before the season. I had people telling me he's going to be a nightmare when they start losing and what's it going to be like when he starts losing. He's the best post-loss coach I've ever dealt with, and I mean, he's really good with us to the point that uh, the other night at UCLA, you know, the SID at one point after about nine minutes is like, all right, we've got time for two more, and two more questions happen. And then uh, Dion looks and says, no, I'm good. Just keep going. And he talked for another ten minutes. You know, and um, instead of cutting off at nine, we went like nineteen, twenty minutes. And so, um, he's really good with us post loss, and he takes the criticism. And uh, you know, he's kind of he often fires back at us, and not fires back, but he'll respond to us by saying, "Look, I don't care about the criticism. I'm going to get it either way. We're just going to kind of kind of keep doing our thing, and we'll get there. Don't worry." Ryan Howell, Boulder Daily Camera. I will see you at the stadium. Excited to see how these teams match up, but. You've been all over this uh, all year long. Thanks for all you're doing, covering the team, and, and for joining our show. You bet. Enjoy Boulder this weekend. All right. There he is, Brian Howell. Colorado, 4-4 four and four after a 4-0 and start. Let's take some phone calls. We've been talking about coaches. We've been talking about thin skin. We've been talking about fan expectations. The great Roy in Portland joining us, Georgia Bulldog fan. George, Roy, help us out here. Hey, how you doing, John? Doing all right. Listen, John, man, that's just the way it is, man. I guarantee you if Kirby Smart has two losing seasons, it's going to be fans (laughs) talking about he has to go. We don't care about a national championship, what you did before. If you, if Kirby, I'm telling you right now, if Kirby Smart have two or three losing, if he have three losing seasons, he's done. We don't care about a national championship, what you did before. That doesn't matter. I mean, look at LSU. Ed Orgeron won a national championship. Two seasons later, they fired him. Okay? They don't care. The, 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 fan, the fan base is down in SEC country. They do not care. If you start with uh, Gene Tizzik is another example of Auburn. He beats Oregon in a national championship, win a national championship for Auburn, and they fire him two seasons later because he had two, one mediocre season and one bad season. He went 0-8 in the SEC. It's what have you done for me lately? Okay, and when you're making the 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 money that these guys are making, I'm you, <laughs> you got to take the criticism, man. I mean, you're making eleven million dollars and stuff like, for co- coaching a college football team. Just Dabo, man, I love Dabo, 
But just say, hey, man, you know, it is what it is. We're having a bad season. I'm sorry, just hang in there. We'll be better next year. That's all you have to say. Yeah. You know, as long if I'm making $11 million, John, as long as my check is good on Friday, I'll say it. <laughs> okay? I love it. <laughs> Makes you it easier. Anything you want to, okay? <laughs> but I'm going to the bank and cashing my check on payday. Okay? That's right. So it's I don't like... care what you say or what you call me. Hey, as long as I, like I said, as long as I'm cashing that check, you're all good with me. You got to expect some pushback, man. You haven't you been the fans, and I guess when the fan when you start winning championships like that, and we know all the success he had, and he really put Clemson back on the map. Well, when you start getting that high level of uh, success, fans expect something. But a lot of this problem is on Dabo's own stuff. He won't adapt to NIL. He won't do it old school way. He won't adapt to the way college football is changing. He's got a problem now because Kirby Smart is at Georgia, so now he can't get to Deshaun Watson. He can't mm-hmm. get Trevor Lawrence now because Kirby is getting all – he's not letting – Kirby getting all of that. That's why I could – I, I knew this was going to happen to Dabo, John. I knew it. I said as soon as Georgia got good, Dabo's championship round was over because he's been living off of Georgia players for the last 10, 10 years. And, it, and, it, and it's just – he's got to do something and adapt and, you know – and just take it on the, just you know, take it on the chin, man. Don't worry about it, you know. Yeah, I think too. Some of it is, coaches have success. They have so much success that I, I'm going to say this. I think they become arrogant. They start believing the headlines. I'm a genius. I brought you. How dare you question me after I brought you so much success? And uh, heard a little bit of that in Dabo, but I also heard. A very rational, reasonable person going, hey, 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 like your expectations don't match your appreciation. You know, we went to two national title games in seven years, and that's not good enough for you? Steve's in Portland. Steve, welcome to the conversation. Hey, John, thanks a lot. That that interview from Colorado was awesome, and the last caller pretty much took what I said because I was listening to that interview thinking, call the ambulance. If you've got $11 million and you can come up with every statistic in the book prepared to answer that, you can hire somebody in PR to teach you how to respond on your feet to a caller. And I agree. It's like you're going to come out and say, hey, I'm not going to take players off the portal. I'm going to do it the old school way and I'm going to win. And then you're 4-4. Four and four. It's like, come on, cash your check, be the bigger man. It's the expectation of the job, and it doesn't matter if you're in business. Like when I'm in or when everybody else, the higher up you go, the more shots you take, but you become the bigger person. And I don't think he, he took the high road on it. So yeah, I, I'm with the last caller. I think he summed it up well. Yeah, I think here's the other thing. Don Draper, madman, you know, he would say, that's what the money's for, $10, $11 million. But what if we take the money away? What if athletes becoming paid causes coaching salaries to plummet? Eight, nine, ten million a year becomes a we can't pay you but two, three, four million a year because we have to pay the athletes now. What if that happens? Does that mean that the coaching expectations should drop? Well, I don't I don't think so. And if the athletes are getting paid, John, are we okay to criticize them? Right. right. College athletes, right now I feel like, you know, we we don't necessarily criticize them a lot, but if they're getting paid and we know their salary is, you know, two million dollars, is it okay for us to criticize them? I don't know. But is that partly why Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders, some others that we know are making 
uh, seven figures in the NIL space, that those guys, are they held to a different standard? Because we know that they are being paid. Uh, Chad's in Portland. Chad, go ahead. Hey, what's up, John? Love your show. Listen, every chance I get, man. Uh, I'm just going to point out that Dr. Pepper has a whole series of commercials that advertises about us crazy fans, you know, promoted, <laughs> I think it's even expected. And as a leader or a coach, you know, like, Dabo, you just got to have some humility. Be honest with yourself about your BS, and nobody's unquestionable. I mean, I got to deal with my own BS now and then. It sucks. But, you know, I like – it. I like uh, – like, how do you get a delay of penalty uh, – Delay of game penalty on the first play of the game. Look at I you, know. Dan Lanning. And, John, I just want to say you handled my overreaction to Monty Williams blowing a playoff game a few years ago with, like, a ton of grace. Yeah. And that's what you have. You have a little bit of grace, man. I appreciate you. That's I'll right. take it offline, man. That's, that's what I'm here for. I'm here, here to let the air out of all that emotion. Um, it's not life or death. It, nobody's fighting a war. Nobody uh, – this isn't the economy. This is sports. That's let's start with that as the premise. That said, I understand why people are fired up when their teams don't win. I understand why Blazer fans are disappointed with the season that has started one and three, and maybe they're elated this, that they are one and three. I don't know. Jack's in Vancouver. Jack, go ahead. Hey, I just have a, a couple of questions for you. Uh, first of which, with everything going on at Clemson, how short of a lease? is Dabo on? And then my second question is, with um, Oregon and Texas, does it seem that they, they've missed a step after playing Oklahoma and Washington, respectively? But why has Oklahoma and Washington been struggling with their competition as of late? Do you think it's because they got exposed by Texas? Yeah, lo- lost you there. Um Stephen, did you happen to hear the end of his call there? I lost him there for a second. No, he cut out of my He cut out. All right, but let's just say how long of a leash does a coach who delivered two national championships at Clemson, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with his contract. He's certainly raised the expectations. It's kind of like Oregon. Oregon, at, in the wake of Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich going 4-8 wasn't good enough. And in the wake of Chip Kelly, even though Oregon owed Mark Helfrich almost $15 million, they had to say goodbye and let him go, and and because the expectations had changed. It didn't matter that Mark Helfrich had taken Oregon to a national championship game and delivered a Heisman Trophy. Everybody looked at him and said, those were Chip Kelly's guys, and we're too good for this. You know, this 4-8 and eight stuff stinks. We're too good for it. Dabo's a little different. How long of a leash does he have? I mean, I think he has a longer leash than coaches who may have come in after there was some success, but you know he's making he's making the money. I'm look, I'm gonna look at his contract status just to see what uh, you know how many more years, how much money they owe him. But his contract runs through 2031. He signed a 10-year, 115 million dollar deal that gives him an average of 11.5 million. He's making 10.8 this year, but an average of 11.5 million a year, and he's got. Eight more seasons on it. That's too much money if you're Clemson. Too much money in today's world when you're in the ACC and you're not making great money in in the uh, media rights space. Um, Too much money. So I think he's got a long leash. I think he. everyone looks at him and points at him and says it was him who built it. It isn't like he's the second guy. He's not Mark Helfrich coming after Chip Kelly. He's Chip Kelly. 
And so I would ask you this. How long a leash would Oregon have had for Chip Kelly if Chip Kelly had won two national championships in seven years? There's the approximation. He would The leash would have gone on forever. I mean, you know, I, I think the expectations at Clemson are certainly sky high, but everybody knows that Dabo himself is the one who created him. So I think the other the thing I think you got to think about at Clemson is that Dabo Sweeney pulls a Mike Riley. Mike Riley was at Oregon State. You know, he inherited a program that hadn't gone to a bowl game in 28 years. He handed it off to Dennis Erickson, ready to blossom. Erickson took it to the Fiesta Bowl, certainly got everything that he could out of it. He leaves. Riley comes back for tenure, too. It's a different program, right, that he re-inherited by, by you know, Erickson's standards in his own. And then Mike Riley goes on in 2006, 2007, 2008 to win 10, 9, and 9. Great. Awesome for Oregon State. Maybe not so good for Mike Riley, though, because winning 7 or 8 or 6 in years after that really stood out. People who had forgotten what it was like to not go to a bowl game in 28 years suddenly went, what the hell? What is this about? Riley's lazy. Riley's got to go. He's complacent. He, you know, he doesn't do this. He doesn't adjust. He doesn't recruit. And Mike Riley, in the end, what did he do? He said, well, they don't appreciate me. It's kind of like what Dabo Sweeney was saying. They don't appreciate me anymore. And what did he do? He left for Nebraska. Would Dabo Sweeney pull that? Would he leave for an SEC job? Would he leave for a Big Ten job? I don't know. But I think it's a certainly a We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.